is our first speaker, Laura A. from New Jersey. Hi, everybody. I'm an addict called Laura. <laughs> kind of hoping there'd be more readings. <laughs> um, wow. This is great. First and foremost, I want to thank God and the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous for uh, allowing me the opportunity to be clean and be in Hawaii. <laughs> um, I also want to thank the convention committee for um, asking me to share my experience, strength, and hope at their convention. Um, a couple months ago, a fellow addict said that they, you know, gave my name to someone on the committee. And uh, after that, I pretty much forgot about it because I was like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> and then I got a phone call from someone from World. They really didn't tell me what it was about. And uh, I thought it was something on the RDA for New Jersey of my region, so I thought it had something to do with that. So I was calling the guy back like a psycho. And, uh, of course, you know, the voicemail's full. You can't leave a message. I'm like, what's going on? You know, something important. And then he asked me to um, speak. And uh, I don't know. It was just such an honor, such an honor to be standing up here. Um, when they were reading the Just for Today reading, um, talking about anonymity and humility, um, it kind of just made me think of, like, when I first got here. And, like, when I got clean, I wanted to run all around and tell all my old friends about this wonderful program I found, and I'm clean, and look at me, and this and that, and this and that. And then, uh, thank God I didn't do that, because uh, I probably, you know, going back to old people placing things, probably get back to using and things like that. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I came into Narcotics Anonymous when I was 19, um, not by my choice, um, jails, institutions, you know, death, things like that. Um, not death, obviously, but, you know, I ended up in a jail and, you know, not by, you know, the choice of my own. Uh, I didn't surrender the first day. Like, that's not my story. Um, I really didn't want to stay clean, but it wasn't until I was sitting in jail for a little while. Um, before I got to that point, my parents kicked me out of their house, nailed the window shut, um, pretty much told me that, like, they could no longer watch me um, kill myself. And uh, I still thought that, like, you know, they were the ones to blame and, you know, how could you do this to me and, you know. But uh, I didn't come from a family um, that was, you know, from what I, I didn't think it was dysfunctional at the time. Um, you know, we were told that we were loved, like, every day, kisses goodnight, you know, that whole thing. So uh, coming from a family like that and then, you know, me ending up in jail was kind of like they really didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> um, but it just, I don't know, kind of goes to show that, like, you know, the addiction doesn't discriminate. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school. I had good grades. I didn't start using until later on. And uh, my disease took me down really quick, um, pretty much is my story. Like, I wasn't on the street really, like, I didn't use for 20 years, like, and when I first got here, it was hard for me to believe that I was as good as addict as everybody else. I really didn't think that, you know, <laughs> I didn't think I was, you know, I compared, I, someone would share that that was their story, they were on the street, they were eating out of garbage cans, and I, I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't get it, and, uh, after a while, you know, they tell you to get a sponsor, I got a sponsor, um, I got a book. 
And it wasn't until I read the first step where it says, doesn't matter what or how much you used, it's what about what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. And it wasn't until that point where I was like, okay, you know, maybe I could be a little bit, a little bit. I had a little bit of willingness. Um, but it was really hard for me, especially being young, like, no, this wasn't happening. Um, thank God I, when I, I was in jail, went to treatment, went to a halfway house, that whole thing. I got kicked out of the halfway house. Like, a week before I was supposed to be done, um, they accused me of, like, having this crazy affair with this, like, older gentleman. And it so wasn't true, but they so didn't believe me. They told me I was an addict and, like, you know, you're a liar. And they sent me on my way. But I ended up at my first meeting. Um, I went to a meeting that night because she said, uh, make sure you don't use over this. Like, very snobby. And pretty much, I think, like, at the beginning, I used that as, like, a motivation because when I was in rehab, there were older people that would come up to me, you're only 19, how much could you really have used, you're not a real addict, and this and that, and you don't know what it's like. And I believed that for, you know, a little bit. Like, I didn't think that my pain was good enough. I didn't think that my story was good enough. So at the beginning, like, you know, you have to make things up, make things sound better, you know. And, like, realistically, like, my story is my story. How I got here is how I got here. And if you don't think your story is good enough, well, you know, it is. Like, there is no special story in the book that says this is what you have to go through in order to be a member here. And uh, I really thought that, like, it was. And it wasn't. Um, so I showed up at my first meeting, and uh, pretty much I was kind of just – when it talks about just for today, no other way, like at the beginning, like that's really all I was doing. Like there was no way that I could even see, like some days it was just, you know, minute by minute, second by second, like meeting by meeting. Um, so my first meeting, I got there late, of course. I raised my hand, told them I was new, and thank God women in the meeting came up to me, hugged me, and said, welcome, like here are my numbers, please call. So, of course, I called the next day when they told me they wouldn't be home so I can leave a message. And cause I was really scared, like, picking up the phone and calling someone, like, for help. Like, no. Like, even today, like, sometimes, like, I have a hard time talking about humility, like, humbling myself and, like, you know, I'm wrong. Like, you know, I need help. Like, it's, it's really hard, um, even with, like, you know, 12 steps in my life and even with, you know, principles and all that good stuff. Like, on some days, like, just for today, like, on some days, it is hard to ask for help. It is hard to tell people, okay, this is what I'm going through. I'm hurting, um, things like that. Like, it's hard. So it was really hard for me to pick up the phone and call. And uh, I called. I left messages. Hi, you know, nothing about anonymity. I met you at the meeting last night, and you told me to call you. And so here it is. Here's my number. Call me back. And um, there are some people that didn't call me back. That's okay. But, you know, the, the ones that did, like, really, like, were important, like, in my early recovery. There was a woman. She's actually at the convention. I don't think I see her here. Um, she, uh, you know, ended up living, like, around the corner for me. And it worked out. I didn't have a license. And she pretty much was, like, took me under her wing. You know, my parents let me back in their house. Um, she picked me up to take me to, like, my first, like, official meeting on time, I guess you could say. 
And uh, she pulls up, and my dad works for Pepsi, so he went running outside, like, with the sodas, because he's all nosy to see, like, who's in the car, what do they look like, who's picking up my kid. And, you know, he's like, do you drink Pepsi or Coke? And she's like... <laughs> and she's kind of just sitting there, like, what is going on? You thirsty? I have some soda. I work for Pepsi. You better not have any Coke in the car. Like, you know, bust him. <laughs> I'm so humiliated because here I am like you know I have no idea he's doing this I look outside I see my dad at the car like what the hell are you doing and I don't know it was a big laugh but <laughs> oh god gratitude you know now I look back and like he was scared like you know the years of pretty much torture that I put him and my mom through and uh they let me back in their house, and when I say, like, I'm going out with someone, you know, from the meetings, like, for me to think that they were to believe me is, like, totally insane. And uh, that took a lot for me, you know. They gave me the curfew, and if you're going to live in this house, you're going to live by our rules. And I'm like, yeah, right. And, yeah, now I, I was home when they told me to be home. And <laughs> So getting to the sponsor, I got the sponsor, I got the book, and, you know, she told me I had to write, and I thought she was crazy, and, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, I got to the steps and that uh, I really started to see some change. I heard someone say that, you know, just being abstinent, like, doesn't cut it. Like, if I was going to come in here and, like, not change and be the same person that I was, I don't think I would have stayed. Um, I don't think if I did the work that I did that I would still be here today standing up here actually I definitely wouldn't be I hope I wouldn't be <laughs> um, but I don't getting back to just for today like one of the suggestions that you know the, the woman that picked me up you know told me to get a commitment so uh, after my first meeting it was a Tuesday night meeting it was a big meeting in our area you know the GSR commitment was open at that point I had six months clean like hey let me jump into a GSR commitment and, uh, you know, I thought the commitments were only for three months, and, you know, that was it. And they were saying that this whole area service thing is only once a month. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I only have to go three times, and then I'm done. So <laughs> I took the commitment, and looking back, like, I had no idea. Like, I, I think I was out of treatment for, like, a week, and I'm at this meeting taking this commitment, and the group members are like, oh, yeah, let's vote her in. This is great. You know, wave and clean time, let's go. And uh, looking back now, I'm like, what the hell were these people thinking? But uh, it, was it, was, it was really good for me, because especially at the beginning when I struggled and, and it was hard and, you know, every day it was like, okay, like I can't, you know, call them today because I have, you know, I have to show up for my commitment tonight. And, wow, there's people that just keep coming in. It's making me crazy. <laughs> I'm like, where are all these people coming from? It's 9 in the morning. Go back to bed. <laughs> okay, I'm back. So um, on days where I wanted to give up and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to do this anymore. It was just, you know, I thought it was just too hard. That uh, it was, I didn't want to go into that meeting, or I thought, like, okay, if I, like, screwed up, I'd have to go into the meeting and tell everybody I screwed up. I can't, you know, be, take the commitment anymore. You know, thinking that if I use, that's really where I would be. Um, so 
like that's what kept me going. You know, I have a commitment. I have to show up. You know, I have to get the stupid literature on Sunday. I have to go vote on the stupid motions. And I really believed that, like, you know, things couldn't function if I wasn't like doing the commitment. And uh, <laughs> talk about spell centers. You know, the meeting will fall apart. <laughs> but uh. But, I mean, thank God for that commitment. Thank God for that group that, uh, I guess, was so desperate to have a GSR that they voted in someone they really didn't know. And, uh, but it was okay. You know, I did the commitment. Like, and thank God, ever since then, I've been into that. You know, I've been into service, had a commitment, and, uh, you know, that keeps me going. Like, if you don't have a commitment, like, I strongly suggest that you get one. Because, uh, you know, on any given day, like, I can get, you know, the ethics I'm trying not to first. I feel like this is, like, a whole different, you know, level trying to <laughs> keep the trash talk outside. Um, so, like, you know, just for today, it's like any day. You know, I could really just want to throw my hands up. On, and, like, this morning, I was, like, tossing and turning all night, like, trying to think of the good stuff to say and, you know, trying to, you know, take stuff from other meetings. <laughs> How the heck am I going to fill all this time? And uh, someone told me yesterday, like, what you're going to say is what you're going to say, and then that's it. And uh, I was thinking that in the way here, like, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, I was walking, left the hotel three blocks away at, like, a quarter to eight, thinking I was going to be late, all nervous. But it was good. You know, I had time, a lot of time to sit here by myself, <laughs> drink my coffee, get more nervous, like looking at the room like, oh, my God. And uh, But it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've been through a lot um, in my recovery, um, especially at the beginning. Um, there are so many different people that I've had in my life, in and out of my life. And... Uh, there are some people that are still clean and some that aren't. And um, I don't I don't want to say I don't associate because that's not really the right word. But uh, we've just grown, I guess you can say, two different ways. Like um, things that I went after and things that I wanted aren't things that they wanted. And we just weren't. Like when I first got here, I was into more like go to the meetings, having fun and you know, doing that whole thing and kind of just, like, messing around. And uh, when I wasn't into messing around anymore, I mean, it's, it's, I still have fun, but I was more into, you know, the books and the step work and the things like that. Like, the people that, I guess you say, were in my little group changed because I wanted to hang out with the people that were into the books and into the steps and into the, you know. So... I don't know. My recovery really took me on a path. Um, I think I had less than a year clean, and I decided to, like, you know, go back to school. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, let me just jump in there, take the five classes, haven't gone to school in, like, four years. Let me, you know, dive right in. And uh, thank God for just for today and just for the minute, because there would be times where I would feel like it was too much. It was too much, you know, meeting, school five days a week, working full time, you know, I'm a superwoman, I can do everything, this is really what I thought, and um, the whole balance thing was just thrown off. Um, there would be times where I would bring my books to meetings and sit in the back and, you know, do my homework and do the math stuff and trying to do everything, and uh, I stuck it through, and like, uh, 
you know, every day was a new day. <laughs> and every day was either easier or it was harder or in, a new challenge would come in front. And, uh, you know, in May, I, uh, you know, got my master's degree. And, uh, yay! And I really don't say that for the applause. I say it because, like, you know, you know, there was a meeting yesterday. The message is hope, and there's hope. Like, you know, if you're thinking about going back to school or you're thinking about, like, doing something and you're not really sure if you can do it, like, uh, that's how I was thinking. I was thinking I wasn't good enough. You know, I'm stupid, like, you know, what is an addict going to do in school? And, you know, and I, and I stuck it through, and, like, thank God I did. Because, like, when I was done, it was just like, oh, so much time on my hands now. What am I going to do? And there was a long time where my meetings did suffer, where I did feel like I wasn't connected. And uh, thank God for my network and people that I talk to on a regular basis, because, uh, you know, they reminded me, like, okay, where have you been? I only saw you at the Tuesday night meeting. What's going on? And, like, I, I needed that. I needed to, you know, get my butt back in gear. Um, just so many miracles have gone on. Like, when I was using, um, there's five siblings in my family. Um, and we're all, I can say now we're all pretty close. Um, but when I was using, um, my older sister would constantly tell me, you know, I hate you, you know. I hope you die, and why you get out of here, and she's kind of, she has issues, I'm not really going to get into that. Um, it's not about her, it's about me. <laughs> and uh, she got married two years ago, and uh, she asked me to be made of honor in her wedding, and uh, my niece is going to be one next week, September 11th, she's so cute. Um, and she asked me to be, you know, my niece's godmother. And these are just other gifts that I've been given since, you know, being here. And it's all because, you know, you know, when I first got here, I remember uh, I would take the just for today to the extreme. And the whole being an addict thing, if I would act out, I'd be like, oh, it's my disease. And I didn't do it, the disease did it. And uh, that, was before, <laughs> that was before I had a six and seven step. Um, I didn't do it. The disease made me do it. It's talking. It's too powerful. And uh, so I would kind of take the just for today thing kind of that extreme. Like, oh, can't plan ahead just for today. Can't do anything just for today. No, can't make plans just for today, just for right now. And uh, <laughs> I think that's just so funny. And I know some other people did it too. Like, stop it. <laughs> But uh, thank God for just for today, because, like, sometimes, like, I can't handle, like, more than just right now. Like, sometimes I'm just like, okay, like, I'm here right now, and, like, this is what's going on. This is my life right now, and, like, whatever happens later happens later, but for right now I'm standing up here, like, looking around, like, wow, this room is really big, and there's a lot of people sitting in it. Um, but that's okay. Um I like the reading this morning, um, talked about anonymity, and I was telling some people before on the plane right here, of course the plane was full of addicts, M most of the plane was filled with addicts, and uh, talked about anonymity, are, you know, spiritual, you know, things like that, and uh, people come on the plane, and they in the house, like screaming, hollering, <laughs> and she's got like the Bud Light book bag, and I'm just like, 
and me and the addict I was with are sitting with our heads down like, oh my God, are you serious? And uh, it kind of got me thinking a lot, um, being involved with service and talking about like our public image and things like that, like uh, like what kind of message is that sending? And I have been, you know, taking responsibility, I guess, for myself um, in that, like, um, do they see us how we see us thing? And uh, I don't know, like, over the weekend, I've been really thinking, like, okay, like, obviously, you know, there's a lot of us that are here this week. And uh, I was just, like, kind of looking around, like, you know, I got the badge on, like, okay, like, how am I acting? Am I, like, cursing really loud? Do I have, like, the NAT shirt on? Like, you know, screaming, kicking people, throwing stuff on the ground. And, uh, like, I'm not going to go around and, you know, I'm Narcotics Anonymous, you know, here I am. And not out there, anyway, in here, that is great. But, uh, like, like out there, like, um, like, like, depending on, like, you know, my attitudes and my behaviors, I really need to look at that. And, uh, my uh member of my family, I saw him at a picnic one time. It was actually I think fourth of July. And he's got like the slew of NAT tags down there and I'm like, Oh wow, I didn't know he was in recovery. Like getting all ready to go up and talk to him and be like, Hey, I remember Yeah. Yeah, he's drinking a beer. And my mom is like, Laura, I thought you weren't allowed to drink if you were in an NAT. And I'm like, Yeah, you're not. Like I don't know what that whole thing is. Alcohol's a drug, buddy. Um, so he say I turned around and, you know, walked away, and I was hoping to catch him and kind of, like, get him on the side and, you know, give him the good, like, what's up with the key tags and the beer. But uh, at that point, you know, getting him alone, he was already trashed, and that uh, probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. Like, I like my anonymity. Like, I don't want to tell everybody that I work with, like, hi, I'm an addict, and this is what I used to do, and blah, 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 and uh, and some people do, and if that's for you, then that's for you, because uh, I'm kind of thinking, like, God forbid I ever do anything, and they kind of, oh, well, she's one of those addict people that goes to NA, and, uh, you know, I cherish my anonymity, like, I don't want everybody in it, I mean, it talks about, you know, I can share here freely, like, with family, but, like, when I go to work and stuff, it's like a totally different ballgame. Like, I bring my spiritual principles and things that I practice there, but uh, on any given day, I can, you know, not be the most spiritual person at my job. And I wouldn't want um, Narcotics Anonymous to suffer for that. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of winding down. Um, so thank you so much for uh, allowing me this opportunity. Thank you for being here and waking up at 9 in the morning. <laughs> And coming to the Just for Today meeting, because really, I really didn't think anyone was going to be here. And I was kind of hoping that nobody would be here. But uh, I'm Laura, and I'm an addict from New Jersey. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Laura. Okay. Um... Now I would like to introduce our second speaker, Uzi L. from Israel. My name is Uzi and I'm an addict. 
very exciting and I'm very grateful to be here. And I would like to thank first all the people who are doing service all over the world, and especially in this convention. In Israel, when you say, I'm this and this and I'm an addict, we don't say hi. We say we love you. So I love you all. And thank you all that you are here for me. Thank you. I'll tell you something about my name. My name Uzi. Everybody knows what is Uzi. It's the machine gun, right? <laughs> but, but in Hebrew, you spell my name different. And uh, if you, in Hebrew, my name means Oz. It comes from the word Oz. It's called power. And Uzi, Uzi is my power. And when I look at you, I just can see my power. Because all my power and all the energy that I've got today, I've got from you from all the meetings all over the world. And I thank God for it. Otherwise, I don't know where I can be today. You know? I decided to start my story eight and a half years ago from a point that led me to my, to my bottom. Maybe that was the bottom. I don't know. I have a daughter. She's 29 years today. And I have two grandsons. And one, the, next, the third one will be born in October. But eight and a half years ago, I was in jail. I was very isolated and not allowed to speak with anyone. And I have only one... Anyway, I didn't speak to anyone if, unless if I want something from him. But uh, I have only one thing that I can speak to is was the telephone. Also, my family, nobody likes to speak with me. My daughter, she used to, to answer me te technically answers, you know. Yes, no, okay. Yes, no, okay. And I was begging there to come to visit me on Saturday. Saturday is the way that uh, they can come to visit you. I was begging, I was crying. And she told me, no, I'm not going to come. She was a soldier in the Israeli army. She, all, all the week she was in the army. And she told me, look, Saturday, I have one day off. I never did something, did, I, I didn't do something wrong that I have to be in my day off to, to come to visit you in jails. It's a few hours drive, and they have to search you, and then and what? To see you stone? I don't like it. I don't, I'm not going to come. And she told me, what, a, what kind of father are you? You are two things, junkie and jail. That's it. And I was mad about her when she told me that, because I, I was thinking that I'm the, the best father in the world. <laughs> I used to give her presents, I used, I used to buy her cars, new car, to give her money, to give her clothes, everything, you know, I go out, yeah, like I'm a, I don't know who, go to the shop, buy what you want, take a credit card, take money and this, and I was, I thought I was the best father, because probably this is the way that my father behaved to me when I was young, but this is what I knew. Uh, two, three, two months later, one month later maybe, I was invited to the parole. In Israel, the parole, they bring you to a judge and some committee, and you have to bring with you a claim. After jail, I'm going, if you give me the parole, I'm going to treatment center, I have a place to live, I have a job, you have to give all, everything with papers, signed papers, and all these things. But the judge that was sitting on that uh, parole committee was so bad, all the people hate him because he doesn't use to give parole to nobody. Never mind what plan you bring. And I wasn't care about the parole. 
I went to that committee because I have to meet someone from other jail that should bring me something to use. You know, in, in jail. And that guy, that guy didn't come. So they called me to the judge. I look at him and I told him, listen, I tell you the truth. I don't care about the parole. Give me something to use now on this table. Take the parole. I don't need it. And he looked at me and he told me, hey, you're a junkie. That judge. All, all the prisoners in Israel hate him that time. You're a junkie. You need to go to treatment center. I look at him. It's true, you know. So all the social workers, the intelligent officers jump. No, no, no. He's like this. He's like this. He told all of them, you be quiet. This guy should go to treatment center. On your next vacation, go and bring me a, a paper that you go to treatment center and I give you the parole. I told them, but they don't give me go out from jail. I'm a few years here. They don't let me go out to any vacation. So he make a, he make a decision that they must let me 48 hours vacation. And then if I bring this paper that I go to treatment center, I will go. It's something that's called door, door to door, from the door of the jail to the door of the treatment center. And that's it. So I took my vacation. I went to some treatment center in Israel. That time was a treatment center. If you pay money, they give you what you want. You know, no treatment, nothing inside. But they give you for money. They give you yes. You, this guy is going to be here. He pay. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, and after I don't remember. It was in the beginning of May, 1997. I went out from jail, I have to go door to door, but I told myself, now I'm free, I have to make some small vacation. And the day after, I was arrested in the door of the jail. I, was, I, I came from outside to one of my gang, he's supposed to go to vacation, you know, come to visit him, to treat him, to give him drugs and all this shit. And they arrest me less than, less than 40 hour, 48 hours since they released me. And I get some days. And I don't know, this is, I'm telling this, this story because I cannot understand it and I cannot explain it until today, what happened to me. Because I think that my higher power chose me, chose for me the best way to come to recovery. This is why I'm telling you this. Anyway, I went a few days to the jail, and they released me by mistake. <laughs> yeah, the day that I should go to court to go back to jail, there was some mistake. They didn't pick me up, and suddenly the policeman said to me, bye-bye, you are free. I went home. I take another two, three days vacation, and then I go to the treatment center. I came there. You know, first day I was so stoned, I went to sleep, I woke up the day after, I don't know why, I couldn't stay there, I couldn't stand that place. So I ran away, back to Tel Aviv, back to all the familiar things that I knew. I used, 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 and suddenly I tell myself, what you are doing? You go, if, you, if you are not going to be there, you are going back to jail for many years. I went back to that place. They didn't want to let me in. I was I'm making a strike. I was sitting in the next next to the building. I was sitting outside. <laughs> and uh, 
every, every, every three, four hours, the secretary, she was a clean addict. She died. She died two years ago. She died clean. She was one of my best friends also from the past. She used to call me to the office, give me something called to drink, you know, to wash my face. It was summer, very hot. And she gave me a note. She told me, Uzi, this place is not for you. There is a very good place for you. Take the telephone number. And she wrote me on a, on a note. And I put, it, I put it in my pocket. The day after, they signed me on a contract that I must be, blah, 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 blah. Okay, go in. I went in. The day after, it was Friday morning, I woke up and I ran away again. I came to Tel Aviv, and uh, I started shooting drugs, you know, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly, I didn't want to live anymore. And I went to my mother's house. I go inside, I lock myself in some room, in a, in a room, and I try to kill myself. I was, I was serious that time because I take a lot of bubbling, you know, I don't shoot a lot of bubbling air, you know, and I don't know how to shoot. And I fall down, and I wake up after maybe two, three hours, and I put my hand in the pocket. I saw this telephone number. It was Friday afternoon. So I called that guy, he knows me from the past. I called him and I told him, look, I want to, I want to get clean, I want to come to you, to, to your place. He told me, okay, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, you are here. And I've been there on Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. It was the 25th of May, 1997, and I cleaned since then. Thank you. The first two months that I was there, I didn't want to, be, to get clean. I just want to, to act like a clean for the authority, for the parole, not go back to jail. You know, if you are in Israel, if you are in a process of recovery, they don't let you into jail. They give you all the chances that you want. And I say, I'm a nice guy, blue eyes, you know. I know how to smile, I know to, as most of us, all of us, I know, I know how to make a very, very good manipulations. <laughs> but after two months that I was there, something happened to me. I was reading the literature, and then they gave us some questions to answer. And we were reading step one, and who is an addict, and things like that. And one day, I was sitting in the trees, reading... Uh, who is an addict, and suddenly something happened to me. I realized that it's me, you know. It's not a story because it's, it's not easy to, it's not uh, difficult to understand our literature. The difficult is to accept it on yourself, you know what I mean. And suddenly I realized, wow, it was me, it's me. And uh, I decided I don't care what happened. I don't care, go to jail, not go to jail, I don't care everything. I want to try to be clean. I was 42 years at that time. I want to give myself a chance. And I went out to the building, and the guy that I called him, he was the, the, the manager of the treatment center. He was a clean addict. I was sitting on the side. I was looking at his eyes all the time. So I saw the serene. I saw the, the look at his eyes, and I felt jealous about him. And I wanted to come and ask him, Please help me, I want to be like you. It was so difficult, you can't imagine. I was sitting, stand up, go, go back. 
It took me maybe one hour. And then I went to him. And I asked him, very simply, I told him, Idal, please help me, I want to be like you. He said, no problem. And he gave me a hug. And nothing bad happened, you know. I was so afraid because my ego all these years, I thought I know everything. I am the most clever, the most tallest, the most everything. I don't make the list. <laughs> and I start, I start to feeling relaxing inside, you know. I start to feel it. And I stayed there three and a half months. And I was lucky. Uh, in the end of that, those three and a half months, there was the European Convention in Israel. It was 1997. And they let us go there only on the last day, to the party. But a few days later, I finished my time in that uh, treatment center, and I went back to Tel Aviv, along, me and my friend from the treatment center. We have no, no place to go. I have the key of my mother's house, but she was in, uh, I don't know where, she wasn't in Israel. We went inside the house, full of fear. We didn't know what to do. We just knew where is the NA meeting. And we went that night to a meeting, and I met some people that stay in Israel from the European Convention. They stay in Israel, and I got friendly with them. And I start talk with people. And uh, it was summer in Israel, so we have a, we we did, we we did go every day at 11 o'clock. We have a meeting on the on the beach, and start reading step one, step two, this tradition, this story. How we do recover, addict, all this chapter on the book. We did. We read some chapter. We go to swim. We read another chapter. We go to swim. All the day like this. We went to a meeting. Most of the meeting in Israel are at 8 o'clock p.m. We went to a meeting. And then after the meeting, we would go to this house, that house. Start all the time dealing with the program. Nothing else was interesting. And uh, they told us, take a sponsor. Okay? I make a list of, true, of three people that I would like to them to be my sponsor. I put them, this is going to be the first, the second, and the third. It is so difficult to come the first time to ask someone to be a sponsor. And, but I did it. I did it. And he said, immediately said, wow, I'm so grateful to you. Okay, I'll be a sponsor. And uh, it continued this situation with the beach. We used to call it the office. We meet in the office at 11 o'clock. Everybody knew it's the beach. And after four or five months, my sponsor told me, you know, next year, in 1998, there was going to be a European convention in uh, Manchester, in England. I told him, how can I be in Manchester? I have, no mo- I have no money to buy cigarettes. So he told me, maybe you start work and save money. <laughs> I took his advice, you know. I start work. I start doing. I start do service at NA. Like the, like I said before, I start do service. I try the best of my ability to learn and to practice the the twelve uh, traditions. You know, not only the steps, because the steps help me not to kill myself, and the tradition help us not to kill one one another. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
And I start work. I start to practice the, the steps in my life. Easy, easy, you know, easy. I, I, didn't, I wasn't in a hurry to no place. I rent an apartment. And uh, I went to that convention in 1998. Since then, I go every year to European convention. And a lot of other conventions, you know, wherever I can. Whenever I can afford it. This is on my first priority. To go to convention, to European convention, it's my first priority. Every year. And I've been a few times in Los Angeles through my service position. But uh, when I was clean, 18 months, my daughter, my daughter sent me a letter. And she wrote me in that letter, you know, in the past, you were nothing for me. Today I see that you are the best father that I can ever have. Because you love me, you support me, you're with me when I need you. Not because of all the money. You know? She didn't like the money. I don't care about the money anymore. I spoke with her this morning. I tried to... I, I told her that I'm going to share this meeting. And, and she understands, you know. She, she's not an addict. She has, she's got her whole life. But she understands the program. She understands the steps. She's no, she's, she knows what I'm talking about. We are very, very good friends today. And uh, I'm stopped, black out, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> Thank you. I want to tell you one thing. I'm so happy, I'm so grateful. Yesterday, day before yesterday, I think, it, or it was yesterday, we were sitting some friends on the beach, and we said about, everybody's afraid to relapse, right? But why? And I told them, I'm afraid to relapse because I'm afraid to lose my friends. You know? I know that if something bad will happen to me, people will come, try to 12-step me and all these things. But I have so many friends all over the world. It's, I, I, I can't imagine it, you know? I, I, sometimes I think, until today, sometimes I think I'm in a dream. You know what I mean? I'm in a dream. I don't believe. People come here, hey, who's he? Hey, blah, blah, here, all over the world. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable what I'm, and I come from a small country, like, you know, in our convention, the main meeting is like this, more or less. You, you can imagine. And uh, I'm so grateful to you that you are in my life. I shared, I shared a, few, a few weeks ago in Israel, and I told, I said something like this, that if you have the best new car, okay, she's very clean, the best stereo, the best stereo inside, everything, if you don't put uh, uh, gas inside, it won't drive. And the same is my, reco the same is my recovery. You are the power of my energy. You are the energy of my You are my energy. If I don't go to meeting, I will I'll be empty. And I like it. I like to go to meeting. Until today, I, I do at least three, four meetings a week. Three meetings a week, actually, because I do service, I my sponsor, I have my sponsors, but the disease go with me all the time, and I have to be aware of it. Aware of it. You know, in Israel we work the, the, the steps some, in different way. We have a regular meeting with my sponsors every Wednesday, and with my step group meeting every Monday. 
So every Wednesday, I woke up in the morning. First thing that jumped to my mind is why to cancel the meeting in the evening. This is the first thing that comes to Maybe I'm sick. Maybe. You know? Maybe, maybe I have something important to do. Maybe, maybe. All the time I'm looking for it. I'm not acting on this, but my head is worked like this, you know? It's for example, like if I see a wallet here, fall down, the first thinking was, is to take it. You know? I'm not acting on this, but my mind is still worked like this because I'm an addict. And my addiction is, is, is uh, going out on the way that I uh, react to things that happened. Uh, you know what I mean? And I have to remember it all the time. And if I must go to meetings. I must do service. I must. It's for myself, you know. Because when I, when I start change, people, I, today I'm, I'm, I'm in Tel Aviv. We are talking about anonymity today and just for today. I didn't have anonymity never in my life because everybody knew about me except myself. Everybody knew, all my family, all the family of my family, all the. Everybody, the, way, the, the places that I used to live, uh, the children of my, my, my daughter's school, because. All the time there was in the newspaper about me, they catch me, the police come to look after me, everybody knew. And I was thinking, I'm innocent, you know. I was doing nothing. What they want from me? I did nothing. Especially, especially, that many times I, I, I came out from jail, it's not guilty, you know. They just arrest me and release me later. So I said, I am a victim. I'm a victim of the system. It was very difficult, it was very difficult for me to identify for myself as an addict at the beginning. Today I'm proud of it, because the way, the way of life that I'm living here with you, that you helped me to live, it's a wonderful way of life. You know, as I shared with a friend of, a little bit earlier in the morning, I should start the treatment of uh, hepatitis C. Next, uh, after I come back from here to Israel. And uh, I, I share with my friend that I'm lucky. Why I'm lucky? First, because of all of the friends that did it before for me, you know? And second, because usually I like to laugh. Not too much, but I like, I like to laugh. People know me. I have, a, I have a good sense of humor, you know? I take the life easily. Not too much serious, you know? No, wow, what I did, what happened? <laughs> not too, not... I take my recovery in serious, but not life, I don't take it too much serious. And I'm glad for the people, and I'm grateful for all these people that did this for me, you know. I didn't start this treatment unless my other friends did it. And I saw, and I was with them to do the treatment, and I saw what happened to them, you know. Most of them are okay today. Most of them are okay today. And the same is for you, the guys that show me the way to NA to Narcotics Anonymous that were here before me, you know. Narcotics Anonymous in Israel started 21 years ago. We just celebrated last July, 21 years ago in Israel. <laughs> and it started from one girl that went to visit in the United States, saw the program and brought it to Israel. 
And uh, I can imagine it today, you know, 21 years ago, she used to call people every night at 7.30, please come to a meeting, you know. And they used to call me from time to time. And I used to go there from time to time because I knew all the, all the people, you know. I knew all the people I used to use with them. And I used to come to the meeting, look at them and tell them, ah, you are sick. <laughs> I'm not like you. I'm different. And they told me that time, if you feel different, you are in the right place. I didn't, I didn't understand it, you know. I, that time I didn't understand it. Because I tried to get, in Israel we have uh, two or three big treatment centers that you go there for one year. It's uh, on the government uh, support, you know. And I tried to rent one of them many, many years ago. And uh, they make me a questionnaire, you know. And few social workers sit in front of me, ask me so many questions. And in the end they told me, maybe it was right that time. I don't blame them. They told me, you are sociopath, anti-socialic, and uh, recidivist. Understand me? You never be clean. You go take methadone. Maybe it was right that time, you know. But I take it as an excuse for me. For the other few years that I was uh, using drugs all the time. And I was trying to kill myself. Try, try, try. I was in Greece a few years ago in a convention. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say... I heard people share that... Uh, they choose, they choose the way of life, they choose a new way. I don't think I choose it. I think that God, as I understand Him or her, never mind, is choosing for me the way. Because by myself, I couldn't do nothing, you know, until today. Even the small things, the smallest things, I cannot do by myself. And I'm happy, and I'm happy. Last year, every year, I take some sentence from the book, and I go, I go with it all the year with this sentence. And the last year, I took from the just for today, living and enjoying life. You know what I mean? Because we can live and enjoying life. When I'm looking for uh, something to excite me, I go to meeting. Every time, every meeting that I go, I always hear something new. Maybe one line, maybe one sentence. But if I keep an open-mindedness, I always find something. This is a nice thing to me. I don't, I don't want any more. It's enough for me, you know. Because, uh, as we say, just for today, what I want. I wake up in the morning, I pray to my own power, please help me not to, keep, not to use today. Tomorrow I'll leave with tomorrow. Never mind. It doesn't say that just for today I cannot make plans. It doesn't say that just for today I, I cannot think about things that I'm going to be in the future. But just, for, but just for today, I want to be clean today. I don't care about tomorrow. I have plans for tomorrow, I have plans for the day after, I have so many plans. <laughs> I need a few hours just to tell you about it. But, <laughs> but it's not so important. What is important is that... Uh, that I make the plans, but the results are not in my hand. Yesterday, I told my friend a joke. 
I, I try to finish with this joke and I hope you understand me. In Israel, in Israel we have the, the holy wall, you know what I mean? And people go put notes with wishes there. So one guy, he goes 20 years every morning to that wall and puts a note, God, please help me to win the lottery. 20 years. 20 years. They... Uh, summer, winter, war in Israel, a lot of wars, you know. <laughs> every day, after 20 years, the angel comes to God and tells him, Look, that guy, every year come here, put a note. Why don't you let him win the lottery? So God answered him and told him, He don't buy the ticket, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. I love you. Bye bye. Okay, let's thank Laura and Iz for speaking. Okay, and someone has been asked to read just for today. Aloha. I'm an addict named Steve from Indianapolis. Just for today, tell yourself, just for today, my thoughts will be on my recovery, living and enjoying life without the use of drugs. Just for today, I will have faith in someone in NA who believes in me and wants to help me in my recovery. Just for today, I will have a program. I'll try to follow it to the best of my ability. Just for today, through NA, I'll try to get a better perspective on my life. Just for today, I will be unafraid. My thoughts will be on my new associations. People who are not using have found a new way of life. So long as I follow that way... I have nothing to fear. Okay, can we make a circle around the room and close the meeting with a third step prayer? Oh, thank you. Thank you.